Podicumens, and welcome to the Podicesis Podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. I'm Brett Maddox, and once again, we're joined by your very best friends, Alan Kaysen and Jim Morrow. Alan, Jim, how are you guys doing? I am doing fantastic. Yeah, glad to be here. Today's a big day for us, boys. Yeah, you know what today is, right? What is is today? Today, today, two, wait for it, day is the one year anniversary of the Podakesis podcast. Yeah! We and made it, took it. Them a year to say that. Yes. So yeah, yeah. So uh, so audience, Podicumans, I hope that you stuck around and didn't yes. switch to your neighboring theology podcast in between all those words. Right, the right, dramatic right. setup is perfect, though. One year of Podicesis time, not only for us to spend together laughing, praying, sharing uh, what Christians believe and why it matters, but to spend time with all of you and your questions and thoughts and to get to know you. It's been awesome. And if you have been with us from the very beginning, we love you the most. We do. That's true. It's absolutely true. If you just joined us, we still love you. We do. That's true. And we're glad you're on the journey. And our love is conditional upon you staying with us for the next year. Absolutely. Absolutely. So actually, love is conditional. God's love is not. That's a good and episode wrap. Good show, guys. Good show, guys. Y'all, y'all be good. Yes. Um, so it's actually our podiversary. Let's call it that, right? It's our podiversary. Podiversary. The podiversary for the Ponticious podcast. I expect uh, but, uh, my present in the mail, Brett and Alan. <laughs> it's it's coming. Hey, by the way, here's here's a good It'll thing. It'll be coming to Glenville about mid June. Oh, okay. Very good. Perfect. Yep, Perfect. Yep, 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 yep. Um, here, here's something to think about. So in the last episode, we put out a challenge to our Podicumans to go on Apple uh, iTunes and to give us a five-star rating there on Apple iTunes, and we've been getting them. So we have bumped up to, I think, about 33 or 34 five-stars. So uh, we need, we've need got some more to get to to get to that 40 threshold. If you don't remember what we're talking about, um, if we hit 40 uh, uh, five-star reviews there on Apple iTunes, um, we're going to start telling some stories. You know, myself, Jim, Alan, we've been in ministry for some time now, and we've all got some fantastic awesome, I think, pretty awesome stories to tell um, that we have kind of alluded to maybe, uh, i.e. Patrick Stewart, mm. or uh, things that we grew up with, with Alan and being a PK, or some things I've experienced as well. And so uh, we want to tell those stories, but we don't want to tell them for free. We we need your input. We need you to show your love for us. And so if you'd go Apple iTunes and, and click there on the five stars, let us uh, just give us that review, maybe even leave us a message. When we get to 40, I'm going to tell y'all a story um, of a... An, it's an interesting event that I had a few years ago um, where I um, got to pray with a guy, and he was a don't lot different. Him. Don't, don't, don't. All right, Stop. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. And then um, if we get to 45 stars, uh, we're going to turn it over to, I'll tell that story, and then Jim will tell his story 
of, I don't know, maybe a famous meeting he had in Scotland. All right. So time, time out at 45 stars, 45, 45 stars. Brett, we got to get you some clickbait training for your story titles. Okay. Okay. We're going to okay. send yeah. you over maybe to David Donnan or some others for some <laughs> clickbait training. Okay. So, so first, uh, yeah, I'll tell the story of the time that Patrick Stewart and I looked each other in the eye. Uh, nice. But then I also have the option of telling the story of the day my ministry was like a Stephen King novel. Ooh. There's your clickbait title. And then if we get to 50 stars, uh, I'll tell my story. Jim will tell his story slash stories. And Alan will come in. And Alan, growing up in the church, being a PK, I'm sure he has seen and done a lot of things. And so I will just, we would just leave it up to him to bring it. That's all I can share right now. (laughs) His ordination may be up after this story. We don't know. (laughs) Hey, guys. I want, do you wonder if maybe we're overestimating people's desire to listen to us talk? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm not at all. No, 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 no. Not at all. Not at all. No. You know why? Because they've stuck with us for the last year. And I want to say a it. big thank you. Thank you to our Podakesis community, our Podakumans out there for everything uh, that you have done and how you've just been pushing us along and, and, and supporting us and encouraging us and sharing us with your friends. That's awesome. Speaking of which... I know that this is important for people out there. The Podakesis podcast has really hit a uh, hit a niche. Hit um, has uh, people have really been locking in with it. Um, uh, Jeremy Cole is one of our listeners, and um, a, a while back, I guess about two episodes ago or so, um, uh, the 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 question came up of which Lord of the Rings character are we? No, 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 no. no. It was uh, what? What are the offices of yeah. Christ? Yes, and I made a joke about us being different characters on the office. Yes, and that took I think a life of its own or something. And then yes. Jeremy decided that we all were represented different characters on Lord of the Rings. So, and the Rings, so. yeah, and um, his uh, his descriptions or his his the the, the characters he gave us I think are pretty apt. Um, uh, Jim, uh, of course, is Gollum. That makes lots of sense. There, oh, my precious. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Alan is Gandalf. Uh, Listen, are you Gandalf the Gray or the Gandalf the White? Well, all I know is that a wizard is never late. Nor <laughs> <laughs> is he early. Well, fair he enough. arrives precisely when he means to. Okay. Yes. Yes. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. By the way, of the three of us, only one of us has ever been a wizard. And that would be me. I just want you to know that. that That's the story we need to hear about. But yeah. only if you uh, yeah, give us a five star review. That might be We might or sixty to get to my yeah. when I larped. But anyway, that's a that's another uh, life. Larped. Yeah, larp. Live action role play. Oh yeah. There's a, okay. All there's right. A Let's whole... move right along here, people. <laughs> and then um, and then me, of course, most apt uh, description here. I'm Aragorn, right? Like that's Without a right. doubt. Oh yeah. I, I'm the king. Let's go. So off, off alone, sweaty, sitting in a pub by himself. <laughs> Are you sure you weren't one of the hobbits? I mean, like, <laughs> hey, I'll take, I'll take being Gollum. At least I'm not an orc. Well, that's true. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Thanks, hey, Jeremy. Glad yes, you thanks, are Jeremy. always listen. Uh, it, it really makes a makes a difference when we can get together and share what's going on and have a little right. fun while we do it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, you, uh, loose ends from our last episode. Um, did, uh, were there anything y'all wanted to clarify or anything y'all wanted to hit from that last episode? 
this just in, we have a clarification from the editor. Okay. The last episode, we talked about the the humiliation of Christ and talked right. about his descent into the dead. And the catechism uses the phrase that he was under the power of death, which sometimes might sound uh, insensible to our ears, but we were talking about why it's so important. And there was a point in which I wanted to make sure that everyone knew when I was talking about that with surprise, far too many words, um, that Christ while he descended to the dead slash hell slash Hades slash wherever uh, you want, which language you want to use. Sheol. Um, yes. That does not mean that he was condemned as such, mm. um, but that he descended to such uh, and was under the power of death. So uh, I listened back um, mainly to hear Brett's wonderful voice yes. um, and wanted to make sure that was clear enough. It's extremely important that Christ descended to the uttermost but did not intend to imply that he was tormented by hell in the same way that you might be thinking about theological language requires precision. A lot of the times, and yes. that might be one of the places that if we wanted to have further conversation offline, podicumens, we'd be glad to dig in, but I just want to make right. sure that that was clear. And it is one of those areas too, that um, it has a place in the creeds, this idea he descended to the dead. Um, and so what does it mean? It also, what's going on in there? There's these very kind of, uh, I won't say questionable, that's that's negative connotation, but these very few passages like in, in the letters of Peter and other places um, uh, that really kind of speak to, um, that speak to uh, this idea of Jesus descending to the dead. And so um, it is uh, an, an interesting thing. We're going to get uh, back to that in more detail in just a second. Um, what we're going to do now is uh, move into our question for today. So last episode, we talked about the humiliation of Christ, his descent, if you will, um, his birth, his life, his sufferings, his death, his descent to the dead. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the upward swing of things, his exaltation. And so, question, question, again, with the question. Question? <laughs> question. We got a question. We got a question. I don't know what's going on anymore. Anyway, so uh, question number 28 of John Wesley's revision of the Westminster Shorter Catechism says, in what consist, in what consist Christ's exaltation? And I wonder if anyone has an answer to that. You know, I got it, Brett. So Bring here's the answer. Christ's exaltation consists in his rising again from the dead on the third day, in ascending up into heaven, in sitting at the right hand of God the Father, and in coming to judge the world on the last day. And, um, and so we're moving from uh, the humiliation of Christ to Christ's exaltation. I just want to read. Uh, this quote from uh, Thomas Oden, you guys, um, we talk about him, I think, every episode. Yes, we, and uh, rightly so, by the way. But rightly so. And he's just got this great section on the exaltation of Christ. But he begins uh, this section in his book, um, uh, Classic Christianity, um, with this quote. He says, with the crucifixion and old era ends, with the resurrection of Jesus, a new era begins. He who died rose. He who rose ascended. He who ascended promises 
to return. Mm, yeah. Um, and so we're, I mean, we're, so we're moving again, like Brett said, we're so we've gone on this downward slope and now we're going back up, which gets us to the Philippians two passage that we talked about last week mm-hmm. and Christ's humiliation um, was not just the cross, but becoming uh, God, becoming human, taking on flesh. Um, and, uh, and so I just want, I want to read a little bit of Philippians uh, two um and remember we talked about again that that downward slope and then 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 coming back up and that's the way this this poem the song in Philippians 2 uh verse beginning with verse 6 says um, um we're we're to say we're to have the same mindset as Jesus uh Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so that's the, that's the, all the way down descending. And then we go back up. Therefore, verse nine, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. Um, and again, that's one of those verses that just sums up pretty much the gospel in, uh, in a few verses and, uh, something we should commit to memory. Absolutely. And, uh, we begin a new era. Amen. And, and it's interesting where the turn takes place, right? Where that turn takes place of the V, if you look at it, yeah. is in the dead, right? So Jim kind of started this discussion about being under the power of death. Um, you do have this uh, passage in, um, in, in in Peter. In fact, uh, I, if y'all don't mind, I'm just going to kind of get ahead of myself here a little bit. I want to read this passage from 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, verses 18 through 22, um, that says, um, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Uh, so again, this idea of coming down, death, um, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Uh, Peter, in this these few verses, he basically goes through the descent and then through that pivot there in, uh, in, in Sheol, in the dead, wherever it is, and then back up into exaltation, resurrection, ascension, and uh, what uh, session, what they call the sitting at the right hand of, of God the Father Almighty. Uh, but this idea that he, uh, he proclaimed to the spirits in prison, um, we call this the heroine of hell. Um, he proclaimed the gospel, the good news of himself, uh, to, the, to, to those in the, to those in Sheol, in the dead. What does that mean? We don't know, but that, that there's a sense that there, that's, there's a pivot that is starting to take place even right there, so much so where even our earliest creeds that we have, the, the Apostles' Creed, has this line in it, um, and uh, he descended to the dead. It's an important piece um, to that, to understanding the gospel uh, in, in its, in its uh, completeness. 
So uh, really some just powerful things and some powerful imagery that is there. Um, let's continue with some of the Scripture, and we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15 and then Mark 16, and Jim's going to take both those passages for us today. Yeah, we're going to take a look at just a few verses. 1 Corinthians 15, I'll read from verses 3 through 5, and Paul, writing to the church, says, For I delivered to you as of first importance... What I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then the twelve. And so the scripture proofs here are starting to delineate and find the, the proof, basically, to show us where the scriptures say that Christ was exalted. So here in First Corinthians, we see um, that Paul is calling of first importance uh, these pieces um, that continue the humiliation of Christ with death and burial mm-hmm. and his rising and subsequently then appearing. So it just starts to pick up that theme. Now yes. we move over to Mark 16 will be, um, I believe it's actually verse 19 uh, that we're focusing on today. Um, and before I read that, if you have you ever looked at your Bibles, y'all, and looked at the end of the Gospel of Mark? It's kind of yes, weird. It is. It's it kind of weird. So um, I've got in front of me an ESV and NIV and all kinds of them. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the Gospel of Mark, it, it, the text changes. And you have notes that say things like the earliest manuscripts and some other ancient witnesses do not have verses 9 through 20. And then... You wonder, oh, my goodness, are we taking things out of the Bible? What's happening here? Mm. Do we read it? Do we not read it? Thankfully, they go ahead and give us, after that note, and sometimes in brackets, the text that is there. Now, you're going to find that the text I'm going to read to you today is not really worthy of dispute. What they're saying is not that it's not accurate. Right. In fact, a lot of the early uh, printings and canons, meaning the collections, the agreed upon collections, of the Bible have these verses in them. It's just that as the we are seeking as the church, including textual critics and textual archaeologists, etc., as we're seeking to find the pure word of the Lord, they're doing a lot of work. And as they right. find early manuscripts and later manuscripts, it just shows that there's not as much agreement as we thought. Right. It is an unsettled question because we have canon and history that tells us that it is and isn't evidence that says maybe maybe not and here we sit so nobody's taking verses out your bible my friends people of the church has wonderful historians textual critics language experts that are trying to help us and we still have this here but anyway so if you run across stuff like that you're going to see it from time to time these are old documents every now and then you're going to see some of that but anyway verse 19 not really disputed in context. It says, after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Right. You'll find that those topics in other places. But at any rate, um, there's a nice little biblical note. You can always do more research on uh, the end of Mark 16, et cetera. But here, Mark, in one way or another, somebody is telling us that Jesus um, was taken into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. Right. And that would be consistent with the message coming out of Mark anyway. Um, you know, as Jim said, there are these issues with early manuscripts, later manuscripts. Um, one of the thoughts about the Gospel of Mark 
proper is that um, it is a retelling of the story of Jesus by Peter to Mark, that it's Peter's account being told to Mark who's writing it down. Um, and there's all kinds of kind of internal clues that might might lend to that. Well, we see in First Peter this idea of Jesus ascending into heaven, sitting at the right hand of God the Father. So that that is still consistent with that thinking there as well. All so, right, I think I, got a, I think I got Ephesians. Yes, yes. Uh, Alan Kaysen, or Gandalf the grayish-white, mm-hmm. whitish-gray. Grayish-white is probably still gray, just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's just... Yeah. Let's just call it for what it is. We can okay. we can work just, that out yeah. later, but okay, go ahead. Fair enough, yes. I didn't do well in art class, so uh, just, yeah. There's, colors, yeah. colors. <laughs> colors and words, they're so hard. That's okay. kind of uh, that's kind of embarrassing. Um. <laughs> grayish white um, is still gray. Yeah, hashtag grayish white. All right, um. so I'm going to... <laughs> <laughs> We've gone delirious. Let's return to the scriptures. So, uh, I do good. love, I do love the first passage again. You know, just like the Philippians passage, it's one of those passages where it sort of sums up the gospel. First Corinthians really does it even more succinctly. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the Thursday, third yeah. day according to the scriptures. I mean, so like, if, if you can, mem- if you can memorize those things, if you can memorize those verses, and you know those things in your heart, I mean, that is it. That's the yeah. essence. So uh, then we're gonna we're gonna look at Ephesians chapter one. We're gonna we're gonna look at really at verse twenty, but gonna read a little bit before that. Um, Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. He's sort of in his um, standard greeting and sort of um, warming up to things, and he is he is recalling their faith. And but in this, he he gives a um, a powerful truth about Christ's exaltation. Uh, Paul writes, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come and so he's he's praying for them to be enlightened by the spirit um, the same power that rose Christ from the dead and that seated him at the right hand um, of God. That um, that is described in our pat in our in our answer. Mm-hmm. So that's that. I love that. By the way, that just, just this passage here in Ephesians, just the the grace and the love, like like Paul is just really just grabbing hold of of God's love and power. Um, and who who Jesus is, like is complete who Jesus is as the raised Son of God who has taken away the sins of the world and saying, like, this is yours. <laughs> you know, this this power is yours. So take take hold of it. And uh it's it's awesome. I, I think about it, I have a staff member here at St. Luke who um uh was he's um kind of over a big ministry of ours and he went to one of his um 
subordinates and was talking to this person who was having some just kind of challenging times. And this person was really just ready to kind of give up. And this, this guy who comes from a coaching background uh, said to this person, said, you just need to stop thinking that way because you've got what you need to succeed in this area. So take hold of it. And this person who was just kind of down on themselves was like, all right, let's go. Let's go. Let's do this. And I just have this feeling like Paul would understand that. Like, let's just go because the same, this, the same God who raised Jesus from the dead is with you. And that's what I love about passages like this here in, in Ephesians. Um, and then we're going to look at Acts. Uh, we're going to look at a couple passages in Acts. Uh, first is Acts chapter one. Uh, this is the um, the ascension of Christ right before the coming of the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm going to start at verse six, but we're going to pay attention to verse eleven. Uh, so when they had come together, uh, they asked him, "Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel?" And he said to them. It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, uh, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come the same way you saw him go into heaven. So these guys, Matthew kind of gives an image of this in Matthew 28. Uh, Luke gives an image of this in the end of Luke and in the beginning of Acts. Uh, this, this image of Jesus being ascending and the people, um, I think in Luke, at the end of Luke, it says that they worshiped that they worshiped at the sight of this thing that was their response to this. And so uh, a powerful image there. And this question, why do you look up? My answer would be, I've never seen this before. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, this is awesome. Like, what just happened? Um, and I was reminded, by the way, if I just may take a little moment here, uh, this past week I had preached on this passage, um, this passage in the Luke uh, passage on the Ascension uh, last weekend. And somebody had uh, sent me, uh, the weekend before Pentecost, um, a, a text after the sermon and was uh, just kind of locking into a classic Christian understanding of the ascension. You know, you know when Jesus ascended into heaven, he ascended in bodily form. Right. He did not ascend. It's not like his spirit left him and his body just crumbled at that point. Jesus was resurrected bodily. He ascended bodily. He sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty bodily. Like that's just, we, there's, a, there's a sense that um, Jesus, even now in his resurrected body, he, he, it's not this just spiritual thing. If we get into that separating the body from the spirit, we move into classic heresy um, of, of who Jesus is. And it was good to, a church member uh, brought that up. I was like, yeah, that's exactly right. I'm glad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And this, this for today's topic is, it's actually really important. Now it's hard to think about because yeah. where did he go? Right. Um, <laughs> we think about location and specific spots, but um, one of the great acts of the incarnation is that flesh is forever united with divinity and made perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so when, when uh, Paul, and I believe uh, it's in Romans, talks about the first we, the first Adam, through him we have death, through the 
Second Adam, we, in Christ, we have life. It's a forever new creation, right? Um, where that is, where flesh is forever united with divinity, and that's the opportunity for us uh, is to follow Christ into that fullness. Mm-hmm. And the, so the the hard part is, where did he go? Um, and that's a fun thought experiment if somebody wants to have later to think about how if God does not bound by time and space the same way we are, doesn't mean that he left or is simply up high somewhere. Right. What an interesting conversation. But yeah, that's that's a great point for today is mm-hmm. to remember the forever uniting of body and divinity. I heard he was flying on clouds with Care Bears. <laughs> Care Bear <laughs> Thanks, Alan. Brett was starting to feel a little lonely, so we you're, needed to bring the '80s reference yeah, in for you're him. You're welcome, Brett. You have. And by uh, the way, that's not true. I just, that's not. No, 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 no. In case that's anybody actually took me seriously, <laughs> they're like, "Really, really, really, Savior Bear?" Oh, anyway. Care Bears. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I heard of this church uh, one time, and I don't know how true this story is. I have it's tried probably look, not then. Yeah. I have tried to look it up, but I've heard from a couple of people about this situation, so I don't know if it's true. In, I think it was in Tennessee or somewhere like Tennessee, Kentucky, somewhere like that, where uh, this church was doing an ascension, like gathering a party type thing, and they <laughs> made it paper mache Jesus, this like life-size paper mache Jesus, and put like uh, rocket engines under it, like, you know, model rocket engines, and we're going to lift him off. <laughs> and uh, of course, you didn't have um, uh, people who were schooled in aerodynamics who were putting this together, and um, Ascension Jesus turned into a, a dangerous kind of rocket Jesus that went through rocket, the window of somebody's... Rocket Man! <laughs> yeah, Rocket Man, that's it! It became Rocket Man who went through the window of somebody's house. <laughs> hey, it may not be true, but it sounds... That was a great story. Yeah, yeah. so... Uh, that's what I'm going to do with my drone. I'm going to put... <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my drone an Ascension, Ascension drone. There you go. Mm, wow. <laughs> I need to see this happen. I'm sorry. It's, it, it's, yes, make this happen. 65 please. five stars will get you an ascension thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be fantastic. Um, so at, in Acts 17, uh, we get this kind of, this long passage of Paul at the Areopagus in Athens where he's, uh, talking, uh, to the Greeks, uh, who are around and he's, talking about Christ in the midst of um, multiple gods and philosophies and all that that's going on. And he's, he's proclaiming Jesus. And um, in the midst of his proclamation, he says in verse 29 of chapter 17 of Acts, he says, being then God's offspring, we ought not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone or an image formed by the art and imagination of a man. The times of ignorance God look, um, the times of ignorance God overlooked but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Uh, this idea of judgment comes up. And we see that in the catechism itself. If you go to the, the answer there that um, he's sitting at the Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God the Father and coming to judge the world on the last day. So part of the exaltation of Jesus is not just his ascension and sitting at the right hand of God the Father, 
but it is also his second coming, um, the the um, in uh, theological terms, the eschaton, the the the, the coming of Jesus um, to set all things right. By the way, coming in bodily form, you know, this, right? Uh, not just as this spiritual being, but this bodily resurrected, fully God, fully human uh, person. Yeah, uh, to set things right, to bring judgment upon the world, and to yeah, so um, awesome stuff. Uh, we've talked about what exaltation means, this idea of of moving up, as going up, of 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 moving on up. There it is. I was wondering, you know, in preparation for this episode, uh, I, I thought about putting an over-under out there about how long it would take for someone do, to do the Moving On Up theme song to uh, the Jefferson's up. theme song. There it is. Uh, sorry. I'm and, sorry. Uh, I'll, I'll to Jim and Alan. That's great. Fantastic. Yes, absolutely. Um, I want to quote another uh, piece that comes from Tom Oden in his uh, systematics that helps explain really kind of an overview of the exaltation. He, he says that Christ's exaltation consisted in the full resumption of the exercise of the divine powers that had been voluntarily constrained during the period from the incarnation to the crucifixion. Um, this idea, the word that Philippians uses is kenosis or kenoso, uh, this idea to uh, lay aside uh, or to... to, to uh, to empty oneself. Mm -hmm. He says, uh, the servant form was laid aside. All limitations uh, were, did I say limitations? I don't know mm -hmm. what a limitation is. So I don't know. Me... This sounds good. <laughs> Limit limitation. Uh, limitations, all limitations were, were withdrawn from full communication of divine attributes to the human nature of Christ, the interrupted exercise of the divine glory resumed, the full power of administering the kingdom, which he had already received through the union itself, was assumed. The exalted Christ was now free to exercise legitimate spiritual authority that rightly belonged to theandric union, this God-man <laughs> union. Um, so a powerful reminder that in the resurrection itself or in the resurrection itself we 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 yes as um alan said earlier that there was this idea of this uh we're in the new age right this new age well jesus um, that which was laid aside now is fully he is he is let's go now let me now let me put this in layman's terms and <laughs> or lemon's terms or lemon's terms yes please or what now? Or lay, yes, excuse me, lay person. Okay. Uh, and into our nerd language. And it may be just because I just watched the Justice League, Zack Snyder's version. Yeah. I feel like this is when Clark Kent goes into a phone booth and he takes off his glasses because nobody can recognize him with his glasses on. Right. That's true. And, Absolutely. And he comes out Superman. <laughs> He's always been Superman. He's always been he, Superman. But he limited himself to Clark Kent for a yes. while. Yes. 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 And yep. the phone booth is like the descent to the dead. And then 
Okay, hold on, hold on. Let's just stop there because the analogy okay. will eventually break down. Yeah. But I think for that moment, it was pretty good. It's, it's powerful. It I was, was about to say, hey, Brett, could you put that into superhero terms? And Alan, with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, just get go. it. <laughs> hey, you could even go to, not even Zack Snyder's, you could actually go to Superman the movie, 1970, uh-huh, what was it, 78? Yep. Um, yeah. Um, and when he... You watched that in high school, I think. Oh my gosh! Well, hey, never mind. Oh we're gosh. not. We're just gonna. We're just gonna leave it. We're just gonna Let, leave. You know what? I'm done. That's fever. it. <laughs> I'm not gonna mess it up. But uh, yes. I, feel like, I feel like I mean, Jesus laid aside, had laid previously voluntarily emptied himself, and now in the resurrection and exaltation, he is full on God. I mean, like, absolutely. Full on. Yeah, and, and and he will come back. I mean that that that. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there. I don't know how else to what else to say to that because that's right on, right on. <laughs> I'll be uh, stepping out the rest of the time. That was my one contribution to this. That was called the the Allen mic drop. He's out. So I was just I was just noting a, a noting a difference. You know, we we've been quoting o, um, Thomas Oden, and but also the answer um, to our question from the Catechism does not address. Um, the descent to preaching to the dead right uh, that Jesus did and then our answer um and 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 then he then Odin also does not really address at least in this whole idea of exaltation the idea that Jesus is is going to come back and judge the world i mean he talks about that but not in the not in the context of exaltation so i just find that interesting that um Sort of the our answer leaves out Jesus preaching to the dead, mm-hmm. whereas um, and then Odin leaves out um, Jesus coming back to judge the world on the last day. Um, just I don't know. Just find that interesting. Yeah, yeah there's some some circles of, of folks that uh, get really uncomfortable with the idea of Jesus preaching to the dead, even though you find scriptural warrant of Jesus. Uh, because we've so associated the realm of the dead with hell, right? And the 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 Bible doesn't always do it that way. In fact, very rarely does it that way. Um, you talk more about the realm of the dead than the place of eternal torment. Those are often two different thoughts, right? And two different words and concepts. So when we associate the dead, the Jesus going to the dead and preaching to the dead with hell, then if Jesus does that then people get real uncomfortable about who could be saved and who's not. Um, it broaches the topic for some minds about universalism. Um, and it makes people very uncomfortable to think about God, Jesus doing things that Jesus would want to do um, right. outside of our control. Right. How, dare, not in control? how dare he? Um, <laughs> but it does. So some of these things like you can, I just love how a theological idea well, if you test it out and play it out, it has huge implications. Now, I don't personally subscribe to Jesus's activity, whatever he has done for those who had died before him. I don't prescribe that into any universalism, whereas in all will be saved regardless of their faithful response. Mm-hmm. Um, but just note that it can make folks a little uncomfortable. It's really worth conversation over time. You know, what else makes people uncomfortable is talking about end times and um, last things, because there's so many theories and competing theories, and are you pre-millennial, a-millennial, are you post-trib, you know, mid-trib, pre-trib, 
um, you know, all these things. And people are like, I, I don't know. I'm a follower of Jesus. What, what am I supposed to be on this stuff? And even in the catechism itself, there's not very much about end times. This is one of the few questions that actually even brings up the end times um, at all. Um, within uh, the catechism itself, and um, Jim, you said something earlier that I thought was very. You're gonna dra- you're gonna drag astute. up our pre-air conversations and put me on the spot. I am absolutely um, because if someone's going to get smacked around, it's going to be Gollum. Yeah, so yeah, um, that's right. <laughs> I'll be I'll try to be very very generous um, and yes, wide yes. in my answer. There's been more focus on quote what would happen in the end times over the past few hundred years than there has been through the entirety of Christianity, not in terms of will Jesus come to judge the living and the dead, that's pure gospel. And from the earliest days, but the signs and tribulation and whether or not there's a rapture or if there are two raptures, um, whether there are two comings of Jesus to complete the second coming, we see it a lot. Like for example, was it recently or just now there's coming up another massive lunar eclipse yeah. And every time there's an eclipse over America, the world goes nuts with biblical prophecy, as if there aren't multiple eclipses through the year somewhere around the globe, um, <laughs> which there are. Um, and people make tons of money selling books about how this particular eclipse means that the world is going to end because of the power of God and the anger of his whatever Um, And all that usually happens is people witness an eclipse and those people get richer and their books go out of print. That's right. Um, I would invite people instead during an eclipse to read Psalm 8 that talks about the wonder of God's creation um, instead. But the Bible is much less focused than we are in my reading. Now, I want to give generosity to people who are reading and interpreting it differently within an orthodox sphere. Um, to what particularly would happen, but more to focus our energy and our attention on the proper end, which is Christ bringing forth true justice and new creation. Yes. Um, so I don't personally have a chart about what who might be the Antichrist. People have tried for years, uh, always been wrong. Because uh, the Bible doesn't talk about antichrists the same way some uh, in our contemporary Christian culture do. Um, but I would instead say, if maybe it doesn't matter if I can be ready nonetheless. Is there a DC Talk song called "Everybody Better Get Ready" or something yeah, like that? Um, it's, an, it's actually a cover a song of theirs. Every, a song for everything. Yes. Yeah, it was a cover song they did. I think it was like a Larry Norman or something oh. uh, song they did. Yeah, was, I think there's a um, there's a there was a book like written in some some guy wrote a book like in 1980, reasons why the world's going to end in 1980, and it didn't. Obviously, we're still here. Yeah, so in 1981. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> another book. I mean, like, so I'm not like uh, I don't subscribe to like being a pre millennial or a millennial or po- you know. Um, but I did learn the other day that I'm a geriatric millennial. Can we link to that article in yes, the I'm, show I'm, notes? I'm writing like, that now in the show notes. Those of us who were born like in 1978, <laughs> 79, 80 to like 84, 
We're like in this in-between phase. So this has nothing to do with biblical prophecy or end times or anything, but how well we integrate with technology. (laughs) So, uh, hey, you geriatric millennials. Welcome to the podcast. What's up, my I will take that title. I don't know about pre-millennial or anything like that, but I am a geriatric millennial. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't know why... And I'm just wrestling with. It. I'm not. I'm not ca- casting any dispersions on anybody. Let me wrestle with this. I don't know why. Um, there's a segment of Christianity that is more concerned about when God's going to do big bad things mm-hmm. than we are about following Christ. That's probably not a good dichotomy. Well, I'm I don't t- know why there's so much focus on that. Like, what is it? Go ahead. So I think it's easier for us to try to figure all that out, which I don't think that's very easy at all. I mean, I don't think I think there's I mean, anyways, I think it's easier to do that than to focus on the fact that one day Christ is going to come back and he's going to judge us. Right. And it's easier. It's easier to to try to cipher out and to focus on that than whether or not I'm living like Jesus, whether whether or not I'm loving God and loving other people. And that may be a too simplistic way to. To break it I mean, all down. I think I think that that's I think that that's I think it's part of it for onto something. something. Yeah, but partially because because I, I was rereading through um, in Matthew. I can't remember the ver- the chapter numbers because I'm a horrible pastor. But the <laughs> Olivet discourse where Jesus talks of the of end times. There's a lot of parables in there. 24, and, 25. Yeah, twenty five. I believe it was. I was thinking of with the ten bridesmaids. Um, it, Jesus isn't like Jesus is telling that story to people that he wants to be ready for his return as an inspiration to live with that as their focus and target, not, not as I'm going to give you inside information about how everybody else is going to get locked out of the party. You know, I wonder, and I'm going to wrestle with this a little bit further and then we can move on. The most, the most often I've seen very like end timey discussion in the way we've been talking about the John Hagee style, for example, I might get hate for mentioning him in a way that's not lifting him up super high, but is in order to pinpoint who is the bad guy so that we can all be against them in God's name. Mm -hmm. You know, like we, we do a lot of, I quote, baptizing our ideas, drafting God into our arguments to play the ultimate Trump card on people. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if, um, I wonder if sometimes, especially when we bring it into contemporary events, if we don't try to interpret the Bible as that is the sign of the end or that is uh, the Antichrist, or if we don't do that, it's just a way to have power in our discourse mm-hmm. in a way that really it makes God into an idol and a thing to be used. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm riffing on that idea simply because I, I wrestle with it. Now, I believe with all of my heart and am so comforted by the fact that Christ will come again to judge the quick and the dead. Mm -hmm. And I'll know, I know that by faith in Christ and his righteousness, that that's the only way I could make it. But that's the kind of world that we'd want to live in. One that is just and, and declared so by the ultimate source of goodness. Right. Well, I think for me, the, what the, what the catechism is trying to say and I may be reading into it, is that 
by by including Jesus coming back to judge us at the, in the last days, that Christ's exaltation is not done yet. Yes, thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. It is ongoing. Yes, thank right. you. And we are to continue right, um, right. that exaltation. Now, Christ will be exalted whether or not we worship him or not. Yes. Um, that is going to happen. Um, and I like, you know, as we think about it, as we try to maybe like transition into like, why does this, why does this matter? Um, you know, Brett, I think you pointed this out and uh, Odin sort of gets to that and, and he marks these areas, these, he, you know, he includes the descent to the dead. Um, and I just, I'm just going to share what he says. He, he says, Christ's descent enables us to share in his victory over the demonic powers and to face our own sin. So we're, we're, we, so again, we're sharing in Christ's exaltation. Um, it's not just, it's not just Christ's exaltation. We are being exalted with him. Right. And so his Christ's resurrection um, enables the faithful, you and I, to rise from the death of sin to new life in Christ. Right. With his ascension, with Christ's ascension, the believer is brought into the presence of the of Heavenly Father. I mean, whoo, I'm getting chills. Mm. Just as Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, we are brought into the presence of right. God um, as well. And then his session. Um, allows us access to heavenly to the heavenly Father, and His intercession is for our sanctification. Mm. I mean, so Christ is interceding for us. That is for our sanctification, our being made holy, our uh, onward to perfection, our being made like Christ. And so, mm. I mean, that is why the exaltation of Christ matters because we're being exalted. With him. So it's interesting you bringing that up. It makes sense why the humiliation and exaltation of Jesus is where it is in this catechism, because we just spent three weeks prior to that talking about Jesus as prophet, priest, and king, mm-hmm. right? What does the prophet do? The word of the Lord, right? The word of God. Um, what does the, uh, the word of God come, right? What does the priest do? The priest intercedes. The priest intercedes, he connects. Uh, what does the king do? There's authority. There's power in the king. Um, and so Jesus, eternally prophet, eternally priest, eternally king, doing these things, humiliating, coming down, exalting, going up, reigning in power, reigning in authority. And I love what Paul says in Romans when he says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through whose spirit that dwells in you. We are be- you said it, Alan. We are going on, we are being exalted. We, we, we are not complete yet. We're in that, that we're, we're moving towards that. And uh, yeah, we get to participate in that. See, that's another thing that Paul keeps saying. We, we, we participate in the sufferings of Christ. Exactly. We participate in the resurrection of Christ. And we are going to participate, participate in the exaltation as his bride, as his church. Um, that's awesome. That's the focus, right? Um, Alan, as you, I mean, Jim, as you were talking about, and, and you, I'm, I'm right with you. Um, it's really easy to get in discussions and say, okay, well, you've got to be in line with this thinking about end times or this thinking about end times. If you look at the biblical point of view, the narrative, if you look at the ancient church or even the medieval church, 
it's not till fairly recently that end times really kind of becomes a thing, a thing to latch on to, if you will. Um, it's been about participating in the life, death, and resurrection and ascension of Jesus himself. Like, that's what the community is called to do. And so um, uh, that's, what, that's where I just kind of land myself when people want to bring me into that discussion, which I think, okay, let's, we can talk about this. But I, I, I tend to focus more on um, what the Scripture itself is kind of leading us into, looking at the grand narrative, looking at the, the whole picture Remember, uh, remember the line that uh, the biblical scholar Ben Witherington is is known for: uh, a text without context is a pretext for whatever we want it to be. And we cannot allow our proof texting, our just lifting out passages and scriptures and whatever to fit some agenda of ours. To um, we can allow we, we we should not allow that to mold our worldview. Unfortunately, many too many of us do. So. Yeah, I'd love to do or, or read one, like an anthropological study of sorts of what's, what's gone on in the culture at the rise of this focus on the end times. Because I, I wonder if in there, there might have been some current or cultural events or some feeling of loss of power that people had, because we all look forward to the return of Christ. That's part of the, mm-hmm. the core of our faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if that focus came out and then perpetuated because of something like that in the yeah. culture. You know, um, we also remember that Christ is alive now. Amen. We have Amen. an out of sight, out of mind thing. Like you can forget something you don't see. That's why I put my keys near the door uh, or my phone <laughs> near the door or the shopping list near the door so that I can grab it. Because um, if it's not there, I ain't going to remember it. Well, mm-hmm. we don't. We saw Jesus when he was alive. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see Jesus again when he comes. But he ain't gone. Right. He's alive and active. Right. And it's because of that that we have life. Mm -hmm. You know, he is with us now and leading the mission of the of God in the world. And um, Mm -hmm. that's important to think about. It's a mind blowing thought, but we're not worshiping a past. We're not we're not saved by a past savior. We won't only be saved by a future savior. It's all of the above. Right. Now, why does, why does it matter is a good question uh, on this. I think about the rock bottom parts of life. And it's cool that God went there. Yeah. But, you know, like if I'm, if I'm hitting rock bottom and uh, there's, a, there's an old story. It was in a West Wing episode where a guy's in a pit and a bunch of people came by to try to help. And they threw down prayers and notes. And uh, the guy's friend comes to the edge of the pit. And he jumps in the pit with him. And the guy in the pit says, what are you doing down here? Now we're both stuck in a pit. He said, yeah, but I've been here before and I know the way out. Yeah. And um, a bunch of people sitting in the pit (laughs) who are there to console you because they've been, you know, at the bottom of life too is one thing. But God, who's willing to himself go down there and bring us up, like, it's a beautiful thing to know that God doesn't just know what we're going through, that he can redeem what we're going through. And we see that in Jesus. And that's the work that Jesus did and continues to do is to pull us up and redeem us out of rock bottom. And the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord, as Paul would say. Um, Yeah. Um, I think about these things too, about uh, uh, 
<clears throat> these, this, this image here, you know, during the pandemic, one of the things that just really gets thrown out. So this has been a hard year and a half for humanity. We have seen a pandemic um, that has taken millions of lives. We have seen social unrest um, that all, all across, not just in the United States, but around the world. Uh, we've seen um, wars and rumors of wars. Um, there's been natural disasters. It's been a tough 18 months around the world. Um, in India, as we speak, uh, they're just lit on fire right now with um, COVID. And a, a good friend of mine um, who's a has an orphanage and a and a church there. I mean, a school there. Um, his wife is on a ventilator, and my heart breaks like that. Just knowing this brother in Christ and his wife are are hurting like they are. I mean, this has been a hard, hard year and a half. And um, I think sometimes a lot of the talk about end times comes from, well. God, I, the church is not going to suffer. If, if we're really in Christ, then we're not going to suffer. But what we see in the history of church, of the church, of the Christian faith, is that suffering, the suffering of humanity has also been upon the church. It has also been upon the people of God. The people of God have experienced persecution. They've experienced pandemics. They've experienced social unrest. Uh, they have they have died for their faith. They have died of illnesses, um, of hunger, of famine. Uh, as, as children of God, they have, they have suffered, but there's been a promise, right? There's been a, there's been a hope that they have clung to, that this living Jesus, this victorious Jesus who ascended into heaven, who rose from the dead, who ascended into heaven, is going to be back to set all things right to make all things right. And so there's this grand hope that has permeated throughout the church, throughout all of history. And that's what I lean on. When people keep saying, you know, due to the pandemic, due to the social unrest, due to whatever, this is the end times. These are end times, right? This has to be the end. This is it right here. I'm sitting here with my understanding of Christian history, of world history, and I say, this is not as bad as it can be. First of all, and second of all, and second of all, the church has always persevered through because of Jesus, the hope of God. God is with us. That promise never got went away. Jesus ascends into heaven. Who descends upon us? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. We are in the season of Pentecost. God is with us. God is with us. And God will always be with us. That is the hope that we cling to as followers of Christ, this living Christ, this living God who is for us and with us throughout the end of the age, till the end of the age. He loves us and he loves you no matter what you're going through. And uh, man, it's powerful stuff, right? Like there's, there's so much theologically, like you can really just kind of get into the theological headspace. And it's fun to talk about, you know, these type of things. I, I, I really like to do that myself. But it is the, when, when, when I start thinking about God's grace and his love and his mercy and his just, he's here. 
with us throughout whatever's going on, um, man, I just, that's, that's where the rubber meets the road for me in my faith. So, um, yeah. Somebody been preaching. <laughs> man, that's awesome. Mm, uh, it's a lot of good stuff here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just invite y'all. I mean, I know we're throwing a lot of quotes and things that these kinds of things are what matters and it's yeah. worth it. If you ever, if you ever just think about pick a question, like what does it mean that body and their body ascended into heaven, the flesh, flesh on Jesus still. Just think about that. What, what could that mean for you? What could God see to you through that? What does it mean that Jesus is interceding for you? You just use that as a meditation. That's from Hebrews. Just use that as a meditation and just let it bless you. What does it mean that Jesus will come in power and uh, nothing will withstand uh, his authority? Right. Um, and that we are his in goodness. Just think about those things and let right. it bless you. But at any rate, uh, that's awesome. That's a good stuff. Hey, uh, speaking of which, that's a great. I, that's a, that. That makes me think of something, Jim. That's a, uh, if you're ever like struggling with like how to do quiet times or how to have a time of the Lord and study and what to study, what to read, you know, what whatever. Uh, one of the things that I've suggested to people is to purchase John Wesley's revision of the Shorter Catechism and to use it as a jump start. Uh, take it, look at each question, and just. Go deep into each question. Take time and really dig deep into the scriptures, into the context that those scriptures are in. Um, you can find some great resources online uh, through Seedbed and other places um, that will help you go deeper into these issues. So um, if you're looking for a, like a, a diving board, if you will, a jumpstart place, uh, the catechism works well for that in your um, personal time with, with the Lord. So um, that's good stuff. Uh, hey, I think that's it, though, for today. Uh, we have, um, I think, um, we've certainly just only scratched the surface of this uh, issue, and there's a lot more uh, that we could get into, but we need to end for the day. And um, so we're going to look at, um, uh, in the next episode, coming up in a couple weeks, episode 25 will be coming out. We're going to be actually dealing with two questions. Can y'all handle it, Alan? Jim, can you handle two questions? Can you handle it? Oh, that's can... a real question. Can you handle the two <laughs> you can't handle the two. See, you want me to, you really want me to go there. And okay, yes. Anyway, so uh, uh, questions 29 and 30. Um, and so uh, the first question 29 is How are we made partakers of the redemption purchased by Christ? And question 30 How does the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, apply to us the redemption purchased? By Christ, so we're going to talk all things Holy Spirit. We being in the season of Pentecost, what a great time to do this! So, um, questions twenty nine and thirty, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Hey, thank you, Podicumens, for a great year. Um, I know for me personally, I am moved, and I, I I can't believe that this has actually happened. I've wanted to do a podcast for so long, and then to have one going and have a have a group of people uh, who are listening to us and participating in this. To have Jim and Alan, can I just take a moment of personal privilege? Jim and Alan, two of my best friends. I love you guys. Thank you for a wonderful year. And this has just been fantastic. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't believe you guys actually listened. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, praise oh, the Lord. That's so oh, funny. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, just want to remind y'all to hit us up on social media. At Podakesis is where you can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. You can find us. Uh, you can email us at questions at podakesis.com. And uh, you can call us on our voicemail, 404-635-6679. Remember to leave that five-star review on Apple iTunes. And uh, if you do, if you get to those thresholds, uh, we've got some fun stories to tell. And I'm excited about telling those stories. And uh, that's all I've got for this week. Jim Allen, y'all got anything else? Happy Potiversary! Absolutely. Honestly, thank you guys for listening. We enjoy it. Um, We get a ton of out of it, and hopefully you do too. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, for Jim Morrow, for Alan Kaysen, I'm Brett Maddox. Y'all have a great day, and we'll see you next time on the Podakesis Podcast.